0: Morning. I'm actually surprised to see so many people here this morning. Did you not know that it snowed? Have you noticed? Maybe? It's looking pretty, uh, actually quite beautiful outside, but it's also real dangerous. So let me just say it if I forget to say it later. Um, take your time, getting home, drive safe. I'm a mom. I'm supposed to say things like that, you know, so please drive safely. Okay, mom. Say, okay, mom. Okay, mom. Thank you. I feel much better. Um, We have been looking at Ephesians for the last couple of weeks, and we've been studying specifically the armor of God that is found in Ephesians 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Ephesians 6, and you can read the scripture passage with me. I'll give you a second. Ephesians is towards the back of the book. It's after Colossians. It's go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat popcorn. Now you know how to find it again. It's the eat part. Okay, we all there? Okay. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is the reading of the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Now, when I started looking at this, I understand that you guys have looked at it for a few weeks prior, okay? So you were one up on me, and I, I kind of wanted to know what you'd been studying. So I read up a little bit on the, breast, on the breastplate of righteousness and on the belt of truth. And I thought, okay, so they've got that. And today what we're going to be talking about is having our feet fitted in readiness to proclaim the gospel of peace. So whenever, whenever a pastor prepares a sermon, they really want to know the context of the sermon. You know, what's going on around it? What came before it? What comes after it? What's going on in the community? So I thought, I need to find the context. And I started reading this passage again, and the first thing that I noticed was the very first word of the passage. Now... <laughs> I am a professional student. Okay, trust me on this. I know studying. I'm so good at it. And the first thing that I noticed is that first word is finally. Now, this is a flag world in the world. No, this is a flag word in the world of studying. Okay, you probably know this because you're probably pretty good at studying too. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten this far if you weren't finally says that something came before this. So how many of you have been studying in your textbooks and you get to these flag words or these magic words that tell you, oh, this is important. Some of them for me are the word like thirdly. See, (laughs) I notice words like thirdly because then it clicks in that, oh, there was a second and there was a first and I probably need to go back and read again and figure out what was the first thing and what was the second thing so that I know why we have a third thing, right? I I fall asleep sometimes reading. I'll read a whole paragraph and not even know what was read. Anyone else do that? Mm -hmm. That's what being a professional student is. So that is a magic word or a flag word, thirdly. Another word might be um, essential. Whenever an author uses a word like essential... that flags that this is really important. So I might circle that word and then underline everything that comes after it. Because obviously, it's essential to know this information. you got to keep it kind of simple for me, okay? So I like the textbooks that actually use these flag words. Um, My favorite, though, is when it says, in summary. (laughs) Tell me that's not the best. Because then I know that even if I slept through the rest of the chapter... The author's going to summarize it for me right here, and I'm going to know everything I need to know. So I pay attention to that in summary, because I know that they're putting it all together in a nice, neat package for me. That's why I like to read Paul, because Paul uses a lot of these flag words or these magic words. Paul uses words like, finally. Like in the beginning of this passage, he says, finally, I urge you to put on the, the armor of Christ. He uses words like, for this reason. So we know that when he says, for this reason, that the reason came first, and the direction or the response is going to come next. And he uses words like, therefore. So that tells us that because of this, we need to follow with this. So Paul just makes it great for us professional studiers, right? Right? to to learn something when we're reading his letters. And Ephesians has this stuff all over the place. So when I read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, I knew that I needed to know what came first. So I went back a little bit in the scripture. And what I found was that in chapter 4, Paul starts talking about Christian living. He actually says, Therefore I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is 4 verses 1 through 3. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I, I, I read that and I thought, oh, the bond of peace, that, that's like what he was talking about with these, these sandals. Make sure that your feet Are fitted in the readiness of the gospel of peace. So there's some sort of a connection here that um, keeping the unity of the spirit might tell us about about being ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. So that kind of clued into me that okay rightly Christian living is part of preparing me to put on the armor of Christ. Are you following me here? The only problem is that that passage about rightly Christian living, and he goes into a lot of detail about how to live well in Christ. But the only problem is he starts off that whole passage with the word therefore. (laughs) Oh crud. (laughs) Therefore tells me that there's something that came before, which means I'm going to have to go back further. Okay, Okay, so I know that I need to put on the armor of God, and that for today we're talking about having our feet fitted in the readiness of the gospel of Christ, and that to do that We need to live lives that honor the Lord. And Paul gives us a lot of descriptors as to how to do that. But that came after something else. So I went even further back in Ephesians. And I went all the way to the first chapter. And starting with verse 10, this is what I found. It says, "...to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ." Like, that was this completed, it was the, the completement. Is that a word? I'm a professional student, so I'm going to make it a word. It's the completement of that first section is that everything that we're aiming to do is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So, all of Ephesians... Is, is based on this one goal to bring unity of all things under heaven and on earth under Christ, okay? So now we have the filter for everything that's going to come after, for all the therefores and the urge you, I urge you, brothers, and, and for the, um, what was the other one? It was, oh, the finally, okay? Everything else is aiming back to Christian unity, and just to give you the context of what's happening here, uh, this letter from Ephesians is going to a church that is finding themselves divided between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Now the Jews have been raised generationally, for generations and generations, to be separate, to stand out, to be set apart As God's chosen people and in Christ Christ came to unify everything in heaven and on earth all under himself and so what Paul is saying although this is what you know that you are people set apart as God's children we are calling you to unity with the Gentiles. Now Jews are one set of people Gentiles are everybody else. So if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. So that means taking this finite group and opening up the, the, uh, opening up the doors so that everyone can enter. Everybody else, the Gentiles. And this was really hard to take. It, it went against everything that they knew to be true. And that's what Paul is asking of the Ephesians. To A call to unity. In heaven and on earth, everything under Christ. So knowing that that's the call, knowing that it's a difficult call to make, then he goes into ways of of living into this unity. So first he takes us through chapters, you know, three and four that tell us about how to live. And then into this armor, put on the armor of God. Now, as I was reading this also, I was thinking, okay, I can live with this. You know, first he says we need to be unified and then he calls us to a certain standard of living and he tells us how to live in our houses and and how to relate to one another and what kind of language we need to use with one another, um, how we should see one another, you know, as our husbands and our wives, how we should treat our children, how we should treat our parents. It's all very standard stuff, okay? But then he goes into something that's scary, He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about normal stuff, everyday stuff. And I don't go there very often. I don't go to this this cosmic power realm of the battle of good and evil between Satan and God and all this, this, the spiritual realm. I don't go there very often because I don't understand it. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but most churches don't even preach about the spiritual realm, that there's a spiritual battle, that we need to be fitted in an armor to fight. You know, it, it, we don't go there very often, but Paul is telling us, and, and, and I'm reiterating this for us today, Because it is happening and the first thing that he tells us is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood But against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms So the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but That's what we make it That's how we live if you, if you don't believe me, just go ahead onto Facebook and just shuffle through your 2,568 friends and you will find a status or 10 or 20 that is in anger against another person. Or maybe you just want to go on Twitter and look at those statuses and see, what, what are people tweeting about? Just, there's angry, angry messages that are being sent out and it's against each other. I actually was thinking of putting a collage together of all the flesh and blood that we aim our anger and our bitterness and our resentment at. And you know who would be on that list? It would be um, President Obama. He's flesh and blood. It would be, I actually found a bunch of horrible tweets towards Michelle Obama about her being fat or being a cow or, I mean, they were horrible. I found that this amazing athlete at a Catholic prep school was expelled and lost his full-ride scholarship for football to U of M because of angry tweets. I mean, we, we do this. We fight against each other. And that is exactly what Satan wants us to do. Because then Satan doesn't have to fight the battle. We fight it. We destroy ourselves. And all of this is to separate us. All of this is to dissolve the Christian unity that God is calling us to. And that's why Paul is saying, do everything to find unity in heaven and on earth, all under Christ. Live Lives that lead to Christian unity and do this knowing that this is a serious battle that we have to be fitted for, that we have to be ready for, and specifically this morning, that our feet have to be fitted, ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. When Paul talks about the gospel of peace, he's talking about Christ. He's talking about peace who came to earth as an infant. He's talking about God who became man and walked on the same roads that we walked and was in relationship with people just like we're in relationship with people and who had people who were angry at him even to the point of wanting his death. And when they, they were active in seeking his death, He didn't resist them because his battle was not with flesh and blood. He saw them as in bondage, people in bondage. The Pharisees were in bondage. Pharaoh was in bondage. Pilate was in bondage. Judas was in bondage to the one that we really, really need to struggle against. And that's Satan. So, we put on the armor of God. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the belt of truth. Today, we put on the sandals of peace. We fit our feet ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. So, how do we do that? There's two things I want you to remember today. First, it's the word stand. And in this case, it's standing against. If you look at the scripture passage, Paul Paul repeats words. And anytime, you know, for when you're a professional studier, anytime that you want to um, look for important points in scripture, you want to look for words that repeat themselves. So finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against. The devil's evil schemes. So the first thing we need to do with our feet fitted for the readiness to proclaim the gospel of peace is to stand against the destroyer of peace and against the destroyer of unity under Christ. And we're gonna listen to Ephesians 4:29 to kind of tell us how we can do that. So the way that we stand against the destroyer of, of peace and of unity is that we watch what we say to one another. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is for the building up of each other, for edifying each other. Christ would even take it one step further. He says, don't even think those thoughts. So in order to stand against the devil, we need to stand against the things that we want to say that destroy Christian unity and peace. So just take a second, can you think of anything that you've said in the past week, in the past few days, in the past 24 hours, that speak against unity, even with people who are different from you, because trust me, the Gentiles were very different from the Jews. How do our words destroy Christian unity and peace? when we use words that come from God, that speak love, then we're able to stand against those pressures from the devil. And we're able to stand in unity and peace, ready to proclaim the gospel. The second thing that Paul says, he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So if we are to stand against, we also need to stand firm. So we need to know on what we stand with who we stand and in whom we stand. So who has Ephesians 5, 8? Could you read that for us? Paul is telling us that we were once children of the darkness, which means that we were once under the authority and the power of Satan, of the devil. And so we did things that reflected his heart. But he calls us to remember that we are no longer that. We who have called on the name of the Lord, who have accepted the the Lord's authority in our life, have been given a new life. and We are no longer children of the gospel. No, of the darkness. Rewind that. We are no longer children of the darkness. Now we are children of the light. And that's where we stand. It's not about who we are, it's about whose we are. It's not about what we've done, it's about what Christ has done on our behalf. It's not about our ability to stand, it's about where we stand. And we stand firmly on Christ and everything that Christ has done on our behalf. So first we remember that it is it is in Christ that we're able to stand firm. Who has Ephesians 4, 31 through 32? Awesome, thank you. So we are people who are called to be forgiving to one another just as Christ forgave us. So because we stand firm on Christ, remembering that we are no longer children of the darkness, can I hear an amen? Because that gets an Amen. <laughs> We are no longer children of the darkness. We are now new creations in Christ. We can forgive just as we have been forgiven because of what Christ has done, because of the work of the Spirit in us. We are able to do this. Uh, I have a professor, his name is Professor Brownson, Jim Brownson, and he said that when you um, die in Christ, things change for you. You no longer, I mean, we, we all go on sinning, Okay, we're not perfect ever until, you know, God gives us new bodies. But whereas before when we we sinned, we said, there I go again. I'm a sinner and I sinned again. Now when we sin, when we have been made new creatures, when we have been given new life, when we stand in Christ and on Christ, now when we sin, we say, I'm not myself today. That's not who I am. And then we stand back in the place where we've been called to stand, ready to proclaim the gospel. Because that is where we stand, that is who we stand with, and that is on that solid rock who is Christ. So I'm not myself today when we say those unwholesome things or when we speak with bitterness and we get back to where we need to stand and we work towards unity. Unity in heaven and on earth, all under Christ. So, I wonder, what is this sermon and what is this passage? What is Christ saying to you through the Spirit today? What part of what you heard is calling out new life in you? There's two things I want you to consider as you walk out these doors today. The first thing is, ask yourself, am I participating in the work of the devil? Do I have unwholesome talk? Is there any bitterness in me? Any anger, rage, malice? Are there broken relationships that need to be restored so that I no longer participate in the work of the devil, but I am fitted and ready to proclaim the gospel? I know that there are some here today who can say, yeah, yeah, I, I need this. I need to clean this up. When I was in college, I actually, I was in such a, poor relationship with one particular Christian friend that we memorized that scripture the one that says who had the unwholesome talk is it Ephesians 4 Ephesians 4 29 and 30 we memorized that scripture together so that when we were in conversation and in relationship we worked really hard to say things to each other that were edifying and it bonded us And I'll tell you, that was back in 1991. And I'm friends with him today because we unified in Christ around participating in what the work of Christ is and not in the work of the devil. So maybe that's an invitation for you this morning. The second thing is, is is God calling you to humility, gentleness, patience, and love? So maybe, maybe you don't feel the spirit moving in you against some real negative um, habits in your life of unwholesome talk or unwholesome thoughts but maybe God is calling you to to step into um, more humility to step into a gentleness in your nature to step into patience and love if that's the case go to the source Go to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Pick one. Anyone. They all tell us about who Christ is. OK? If you're kind of a poet, read John. If you like things real straightforward, go to Luke. If you want it all expanded on, go to Matthew. If you want it short and simple, go to Mark. Yeah <laughs> yeah, that's where I start. So if God is calling you into standing more firmly, then maybe it's time to revisit what it means to stand in love, to stand in patience, to stand in gentleness, to stand in peace. And if that's the case, then I urge you, brothers and sisters, finally, therefore, this is essential. Follow the way of Christ. Because it is the only way that we can be unified on earth and in heaven under him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to be one. To be in you reflections of who you are and what you stand for. So Lord, fit our feet to stand firm on your gospel. Fit us in readiness to be little Christ, especially to one another. Let there be nothing that divides us, Lord, so that we stand as one. God call us to unity, call us to restoration, call us to redemption, to community. Place it on our hearts, to work towards this in your power, in the power of the Spirit who leads us and guides us. And Lord, restore us so that your work can be done and you may be glorified in heaven and on earth. Let us be participants with you and you alone, our one true God. This we pray with all of our heart. Amen.